Today, we're going to do something we don't do super often. We're going to go back to the middle of the Old Testament to a historical narrative passage. And I hope to bring some helpful application from that to you as we transition from 2020 into 2021. <clears throat> uh, kids, I'll invite you up in a little bit uh, as I read through the passage, the little longer passage. I'll invite you up to as I read through that. Um, and that'll be in, in a little bit here. So as you know, uh, 2020 has been challenging in uh, various ways. How many of, of you, as you think back over the year, have faced a difficulty of some kind within the last year? Any kind of difficulty that you've faced in the last year? Sure, there's been many of them. Right? Life is full of difficult things. And so as we begin, there's a question in your notes I'd like you to take a look at and think about. The question is, what is the greatest difficulty you are currently facing in your life? So right now, what is the greatest difficulty you are facing? I'd like you to take some time uh, to, to actually write down something there, because we're going to be referring back to it throughout the message. And I know when pastors ask you to do this, usually you're just like, okay, I'll, I'll figure something out as we go along, wait and see what he says. But I really would like you to actually think it through and actually write something down if you're able to. Grab a piece of paper and pen or pencil and write something down. What is the greatest difficulty you're currently facing in your life? Is it a financial stress? Is it a sense of depression over the implications of this COVID season? Is it just dealing with and remembering the loss of a loved one? Is it a challenging relationship? Is it a hardship at, with school? Is it a sickness or a medical condition? Is it anxiety over political spectrum? So take just a little bit of time, write something down. If you can't come up with a piece of paper and a, a pen or pencil, then Solidify something in, in your mind, because we're going to, again, we're going to come back to that. What is the greatest difficulty you are currently facing right now, or that you anticipate coming up in the very near future? Once you have, once you have something identified or written down, turn to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. So in the Old Testament, about halfway through the, the Old Testament, not quite halfway, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. It's before Psalms. Ahead of that, if you're using a Bible under the a chair in front of you, it's page three seventy-two, three hundred seventy-two. Second Chronicles, chapter twenty. Just a brief historical context here. Uh, we're at the, the the Old Testament. The kingdom is divided. Right? We had King David, and then he had sin, and then. Uh, the descendants after him, the kingdom is divided into the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. We're going to be looking at the nation of Judah this morning. And Jehoshaphat is king of Judah at this time. If you were to read through the whole account of Jehoshaphat, he's not a perfect man. He had made some bad decisions, but yet he was a man of faith. He's following the Lord. We'll also see here some enemies coming against Judah. Uh, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites. So they're enemies coming uh, against Judah. So um, let's pray. As I pray, kids, you can come on up and, and have a seat over here uh, in front of this chair where I'll read through the pastors. Let me pray as kids as you're coming up. Let's pray. Father God, we do ask that you would work and move among us this morning as we open up your word. We ask that you would teach us uh, encourage us in faith, encourage us to seek after you, even in the midst of difficult life circumstances. And so, God, would you, by your word and by your spirit, do a work within us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, come on over here, guys. Find a spot to sit. Hi, I'm... Hey, guys, good morning. All right, so we're going to read through this. It's a little bit longer, so hang with me. But it's a fascinating uh, uh, account of what actually took place a lot of years ago. 
uh, in, this, in this nation with King Jehoshaphat. So you listen as, as I go. Listen to what, uh, what the circumstances were, to what Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah, the nation of Judah did, and then what God did as well. Okay? So it's about 30, it's 30 verses we're going through. So it's a little long. You listen to what's happening, all right? It says, uh, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. So now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who would come, uh, excuse me, um, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go down against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, The Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. 
For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the valley of Barakah to this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Thanks for coming up, guys. You can go back and have a seat. All right, so the first thing we see here in this passage is a great difficulty at the beginning of chapter 20 in verses 1 and 2. It's reported that uh, to Jehoshaphat that there are enemies coming against Judah, him and their small army, but it is a great multitude coming against him and their nation. This army is coming close, and they are ready for battle. And so for Jehoshaphat, this was unexpected. Judah wasn't prepared for this difficulty coming against them. And so I wonder, have you ever had an unexpected difficulty arise in your life? Something you weren't looking for, something you didn't see coming. Maybe this type of unexpected news is even the, the method that your current difficulty that you wrote down, how that came about, something unexpected coming to you. And so King Jehoshaphat, Here you are, king. You weren't prepared for this difficulty, but it's at your doorstep. It's right in front of you. What are you going to do? Right? How are you going to proceed? What are you going to do about this difficulty? Well, of course, there's a battle coming, so he's got to prepare his troops to fight, right? He has to assemble the troops. He has to develop his wartime strategy. Well, is that what Jehoshaphat did here? Not quite. What was Jehoshaphat's initial reaction? It was to seek the Lord, right? It was to seek the Lord. Look at verse 3. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord. That was the action that he took. So he was afraid. That's a normal reaction, right? When life throws a difficult circumstance at you, uh, he had an army coming to destroy him. That would be a fearful thing. Right? Many of your life circumstances are fearful as well. But the question is, how do you handle that fear? How do you respond to that fear? We see here Jehoshaphat turns to God. Right? It says he set his face to seek the Lord. He gave his full attention to this task. There was nothing else to distract him at this point. This was what he was totally committed to. He was determined to seek the Lord before anything else. Before he developed a war, a battle strategy, before he did anything else, he was determined. He determined himself to seek the Lord. So again, how about for you? Is that how you handle your fears? When a fearful situation comes into your life, do you determine, I'm going to seek the Lord. I need him. This is all I have. How about in the difficulty that you wrote down earlier? Is that how you approach that difficulty? 
is your first step turning to God and seeking after him before anything else. Here we see not only did Jehoshaphat do that for himself, but he called the nation together, the whole nation together for the same purpose. Right? And so first he proclaimed a fast. The people weren't supposed to eat anything. Now think with me, if you have a battle coming, you need your strength. Does it make sense to stop eating? That would weaken you for the battle, right? But here he calls them to a fast. Why a fast? Well, the fast, the lack of eating, was the the first step in seeking the Lord. It demonstrated their humility and their need for God. It would show their sincerity in seeking after the Lord and their total dependence upon Him, not in their own strength, not in their own power, but their dependence and reliance on Him. And so all of Judah was to, to fast and they were to assemble. He calls them together as one, right? And so they assemble here at the temple, the house of the Lord. This is the temple that was built, uh, the, the place of worship for the nation of Judah. And so they were to assemble here to seek help from the Lord. They weren't to assemble together to try to figure it all out on their own. This wasn't a a meeting of the minds to determine the best strategy moving forward. This was coming together needy, dependent, humble before God to seek his help. And so here we see a leader of the nation, King Jehoshaphat, in the midst of crisis, calling all his people together for fasting and for prayer. Wouldn't it be refreshing if our president or our national leaders took that approach? (laughs) Calling everyone to fasting and to prayer. Well, the good news is we don't have to wait for them. We as the church can lead that. And so in the midst of crisis, come together in prayer and fasting, seeking the Lord and seeking his help. And so here the, the nation gathers And Jehoshaphat then prays here. He prays a prayer of faith, starting verse 6, down through verse 12. The prayer of faith. In the midst of this most difficult circumstance, Jehoshaphat seeks the Lord in prayer. There's much for us to learn here in in this passage and what he prays. First, starting in verse 6, Jehoshaphat acknowledges who God is. He is Lord, God of our fathers, God in heaven. Ruler over all kingdoms, the one with power and strength. And so when you pray, start by just acknowledging who God is as Father, as Lord, as ruler over all. So God rules over all things, He is sovereign, right? All things are under His watchful care, all things are under His mighty, powerful hand. He is in control. And that's still true. It's true for you. Nothing in your life comes as a surprise to God. Nothing in your life happens and God says, oh my, where did that come from? It's all in his sight. It's all under his control. And so in the midst of difficulty, we have to understand that God is in absolute control. Right? He has purposes for everything in your life. Not only is he in control and have power over it, he has purposes for those things in your life. Every life circumstance, every painful trial you face, every heartache that comes your way, none of it is wasted by God. None of it is a waste. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, we read that The sufferings of this present time, the things you're currently facing, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Right? COVID is not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed. Political turmoil is not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed. Difficult relationships with your family members are not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed. 
The fight against sin in your life is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. The sickness, the depression, the heartache, they're not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed. As painful and difficult as that thing might be that you wrote down earlier, it's not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed. God doesn't waste any of it. That difficult circumstance in your life is doing something. God has a purpose for it. It is producing for you an eternal glory. That's what it's doing. That's what it's for. It's for glory. And that glory will be revealed to you one day. It doesn't mean that those life circumstances are easier. We need to take them lightly. In fact, the Bible teaches us to lament, to mourn over the troublesome situations that we see and that we face. But lament always ends with faith and trust in God, believing in who he is and believing in his promises. So here in faith, Jehoshaphat acknowledges who God is as Lord over all. Next in verse 7, he acknowledges what God has done. He looks to the past things, to God's past faithfulness. Right? God drove the people out of the land. He gave it to Israel forever. Jehoshaphat draws upon God's faithfulness as demonstrated to his covenant people. Right? So for you, when you are facing difficulty of some kind, draw on past examples of God's faithfulness to you and to others. And it starts with God's faithfulness to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save you from all of your sin. He has shown you mercy upon mercy upon mercy. He's blessed you with eternal blessings, spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Call upon that. And his grace will be sufficient for you in every circumstance. When you pray, remind yourself of all that God has done for you. Thank him for it. Rejoice in it. And trust him to continue in that. Jehoshaphat then continues as he considers the current circumstances that he and the nation of Judah are facing. God's covenant people have lived in this land that God has provided. Uh, They have built this very place, the, the temple that Jehoshaphat and the people were standing in as they were gathered. As you look in verse 9 in his prayer here, he's referring back to 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and Solomon's word words as they were dedicating the temple. That's what these words are. He's calling upon the past when they had constructed this temple that he was standing in now, and Solomon uh, had these words of dedication, calling on God's faithfulness. Right? They are in now in a time of affliction, as Solomon had talked about, and so they gather at the temple and seek God, calling on him to hear and to save. This is a reminder to us that knowing God's words, knowing God's word, helps carry you through those difficult times that you face. So how are you instilling God's word into your mind and into your heart, into your life, so that's there and ready when those difficult circumstances come. We see here in his brief historical account that uh, the people um, were spared. These attacking nations were actually spared when Israel took the land. Uh, They were spared at the time when when God gave this land to the nation of Israel, and now these are the very ones coming uh, against them. And so Jehoshaphat here is calling out this injustice, right? They were spared, and, and now they're coming after us. What a, an, an injustice that is taking place here. That might be true for you and your difficulty as well. It might be an actual injustice, right? So we need to evaluate that rightly and call it what it is, but then seek help from God. Seek the Lord. 
Right? It doesn't pay for us just to call it an injustice and leave it fly somewhere. Call it the injustice and then seek the Lord in the midst of that. That's what they're doing here. Then Jehoshaphat in verse 12 concludes his prayer here with an expression of faith. Right? Look at this in verse 12. <laughs> he says, we are powerless. We don't know what to do here. We have no hope apart from God. We need the Lord. We are totally dependent upon Him. Have you been there? Can you identify a circumstance that is just so overwhelming, so confusing that you just, you just don't know what to do? That's where they were here. That's where Jehoshaphat was here. And then he says, but our eyes are on you. This is a demonstration of great faith. He wasn't trying to figure this all out. He wasn't trying to do it. He was looking to the Lord. He was seeking the Lord. They here have no hope of salvation apart from God. Right? Jehoshaphat's kingly power wouldn't be enough. The best military strategy would not be sufficient in this circumstance. If God doesn't save them, no one will. There's no hope. But our eyes are on you. We have great trust and confidence in you, God, that you will save. This should remind you of Christ. This is a reminder uh, for us of Christ. This great horde, this vast army pictures for you your sin. You are powerless against it on your own. On your own, you are a slave to sin, and you have no hope apart from from Christ. So will you look to him in faith and find salvation? No hope apart from Christ. Now look back at that difficulty you wrote down earlier. Look back at it. Read it. Can you in your own strength overcome that difficulty? Can you in all of your knowledge, figure it all out? Probably not. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a difficulty you're facing right now, right? You need the Lord. So are your eyes on Him? Are you seeking after Him? But our eyes are on you, God. The key to prayer is going to God in faith not making prideful demands, not trying to get your own way, but acknowledging who God is and submitting to him and to his will. Next in this narrative passage, we see that God answers prayer. Starting in verse 13, God answers prayer. All of Judea is standing. (laughs) They're waiting for God to answer. And God does answer. He answers their prayer here through Jehaziel. And so there's something for us to keep in mind here. God hears the prayers of his faithful ones. He hears the prayers of his children and he answers. He answers your prayer. Of course, he may not always answer as you would desire. Right? We have to come to him in prayer, in humility, and faithful submission to him knowing that he knows all things, he's all-powerful, he will answer according to his will. But we come to him in prayer as a God who is not far off. We pray to a God who is near. He is near. And so pray. Seek him in prayer. Bring your request to him and watch for what God does. Watch for how he answers your prayer. So Jehaziel here becomes, in this specific circumstance, a spokesman for God. First thing we should notice here, this is not through himself, right? This is not in himself, but it is by the Holy Spirit. And so by the Holy Spirit, he is now a spokesman for God. Jehaziel says, listen up, everyone. Here's what the Lord says in this circumstance. God says, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, 
For the battle is not yours, but this battle is God's. And so here God is first addressing their fear that we saw in verse 3. We saw Jehoshaphat was afraid. This is a fearful situation. And God here is addressing that, and he brings a message of comfort for God's people. Do not be fearful of those attackers. Do not be dismayed because of that great army that is coming this way. Why? Because battle is not for you to fight. This battle, this specific battle is not for you to fight. God will fight the battle. This language is similar to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47, when David is coming against Goliath. You remember that, kids? You remember that? David coming against Goliath? Nobody wanted to fight him. He was too big. He was too powerful. They had a vast army. And as David addresses Goliath, he says straight to Goliath, the battle is the Lord's. You don't stand a chance. The battle is the Lord's. That's similar language here. You don't need to fight. This is God's battle. He will fight. So when God's faithful people are facing an impossible foe, he will fight their battle. He will fight that battle. Now sometimes God causes people to war and to fight. Other times he calls them to stand still and let him take care of things. When that difficulty that you wrote down just seems too much for you, seems more than you can handle, more than you can bear, God will fight the battle for you. Then Jehoshaphat here in verse 17, he, he repeats again these things. You, army of Judah, will not fight this. Go out against them, but this is not for you to fight. Just stand firm. Just stand firm. Hold your position and watch God work. Wait for his salvation to be revealed. So we have to ask here, what does it mean to stand firm? What does it mean to hold your position? Well, it means that in the midst of the difficulty, it means you don't give up. You don't just give up and walk away. It means you hold on to your faith. It means you don't let go of faith and belief and trust in God no matter what. You hold on to it. You stand firm in your faith. You hold your position of faith because you know who God is and you're seeking after him. Watch. Watch and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. When you're at the end of your rope, barely hanging on, in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that heartbreak, in the midst of that difficulty, hang on. Hold your position of faith. Trust God and see how he works it out. Then Jehaziel here repeats God's words of comfort to the people. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. He repeats for them God's instruction to go out against the enemy the next day. Go out, but don't go in fear. Go in faith. Go in faith. And this instruction to go out comes with a promise. What's the promise? You see it? What's the promise? End of verse 17. The Lord will be with you. The Lord the all-knowing one, the all-powerful one, he will be with you. You don't need to be fear, fearful. You don't have to be afraid. The Lord will be with you. You have nothing to worry about. Look back at what you wrote down. Read it again. Your difficult circumstance that you're facing right now. This promise is for you also. The Lord will be with you. He'll be with you in every trial. He'll be with you in every heartache. He'll be with you in every temptation. He'll be with with you in every difficulty. He'll He'll be with you in whatever it is that you wrote down 
on your paper, whatever difficult, the most difficult thing you're facing right now, the Lord will be with you. For he has said, Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. He is with me. Nothing to fear. Amen. Sure. Yell it out, right? It's great. It's glorious. The Lord will be with you. You have nothing to fear. Trust in him. This is the promise from God for all of his children. The Lord will be with you. Have confidence in that. So how do the people of Judah respond? Well, they respond in praise and worship, verse 18 and 19, right? Praise and worship. Here in verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the ground. All the people fell down in worship. They had faith. They actually believed what God told them. They had faith, so they praised him. They worshiped, right? The people trusted God for what was to come, even though the circumstance looked bleak, looked dire. They trusted him. They were standing firm. They were holding their position of faith, believing in what God said. In verse 19, some of them, they stood up to praise the Lord. How did they praise the Lord? With a very loud voice. (laughs) Great confidence. Praise God. He's going to do a great work. We trust him. We believe him. This is going to happen. Praise him. Worship him. He's going to fight. He's going to save. We're just going to stand and watch this thing. They sang loudly. They praised him loudly. Great confidence in God. Do you have confidence in God like that? Do you have confidence for him in the difficulties, though? Do you have confidence that he will do a work within the midst of that difficulty that you have on your paper? Do you believe him? Do you trust him? If you do, then praise him. Worship him loudly. He's a God who saves. He's a God who redeems. He's a God who does great work in the lives of his children. Praise him. Worship him. After they praise and worship, they went forward and they took faithful action. They took faithful action. Look at verse 20. What did they do? And they rose early in the morning and went out. They took action in faith. They rise early, they go out. We would call this applied faith, right? Or faith in action. I believe, and so I'm going to act upon it. I'm acting upon my belief. Applied faith. They followed the instruction they had been given. They went out against the enemy. Now, you might be thinking, well, of course they did. God told them what was going to happen, right? He told them the end. That must have been easy for them. Well, yes, God told them the end. He told them what would happen. I don't know how my difficulty will end. I don't know what tomorrow will look like. That's true to a certain point with your current circumstance. You may not know what tomorrow will look like. Of course, that's where faith is needed, trusting in God. And yet, on the other hand, has not God told us how all of this will end? Has he not told us how all of this life will end? Not necessarily in a specific circumstance, but we do know the end, right? He's told us in his word, we know the end. One day, Jesus will return and all of his enemies will be conquered. Sin and death will be done away with, and the faithful will dwell with Christ in glory forever. That's the end. It's glorious. We know the end. Let the end of the story give you faith in your current circumstance to keep going, to stand firm, to hold your position of faith, because we know the end. God does love, and he will bless. We know it to be true. And so there's Faithful action here in verse 20. They're now going out to meet the advancing armies. And Jehoshaphat here gives the the people encouragement. He encourages them to put their trust in the Lord. Right? Believe in God. Believe in his word. Rest in him. Trust God to fight this battle. 
So as followers of Christ, there are times where we need to take action. But we act in faith, trusting in the Lord. So then in verse 21, they're going out, and we see here Jehoshaphat's great military strategy. Finally, we see his great military strategy coming to play. And what is it? Singing. Singing. There are people appointed to sing to the Lord and to praise him. This is your job for the battle. Sing and praise. Go before the army and sing and praise. <clears throat> Why singing? We've talked about this before. Because singing gives encouragement to God's people. God's people, you and I, are in need of ongoing encouragement for faith, especially when we're facing the difficult things in life. When you come to church and sing loud praise to God with expressions of joy on your face and expressions of joy in your body and in your posture, you are an encouragement to others around you. And when others enter the sanctuary with that difficulty that they're facing is written on their heart and they're bringing that in here, that difficult circumstance written on their heart, your encouragement to them through your singing really matters. Somehow God, by his spirit, does a work through your singing to encourage and uplift other believers around you. It's an amazing thing. That's part of the reason it's important for you to be here Sunday morning, to help uplift and encourage God's people. People come with their difficult circumstances, at times wondering, is this all real? Does God really see me? Does God really care about me? Is this all worth it? And your heartfelt singing praises to God is a reassuring yes to them. Yes, God does see. Yes, God does care. Continue in faith. Hold that position. Let's do it together because God does see and he does care. Keep fighting the good fight. Hold on to faith. So Jehoshaphat had wisdom for this. Right? He had designated singers lead the way in order that God's people would be encouraged. As they march out, they might get fearful, right? They might see that great, vast army uh, on the other side of the valley, and they might get afraid. They might lose heart. But God's people singing his praises when he encouraged their faith as it reminded them of God's enduring love and care for them and his promise to them. So they're going out when the people of Judah are faithful to what God has instructed them to do here. Then we see God acts. God acts. The people sing and praise, and God sets an ambush. <laughs> God sets an ambush. Two of the attacking nations turn and destroy the third. Then these two that are left turn and destroy one another. All three attacking nations are wiped out. And what had Judah done to this point? All they did is exp they expressed their faith and their trust in God through faithful obedience. They were faithful and obedient to God. They went out praising and worshiping as they were told to do. Right? Judah then comes, they arrive on the scene, and all they see are the dead bodies of the armies scattered around the land. They see the salvation of the Lord on their behalf. Watch and see. And they do it. Faithful obedience. And they see God's faithfulness. They see his salvation on their behalf. This is another picture. It's a picture of your salvation as well. Your personal sin is your greatest enemy in this life. It's more than you can handle. It's too powerful for you. But God acted. 
He took action. He sent his son. And Jesus Christ wiped out your sin by his death on a cross. All you have to do is look to Christ in faith and receive his forgiveness. See the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. This is what God has done for you. And what do we see here that is accomplished in this salvation? We see that God blesses. All right, verses 25 and following, God blesses. There's such a great spoil. It takes them three days to collect all the goods from these armies that are now lying in the field. Three days. There's such a great blessing that they give the place a new name. They call it the Valley of Baraka. Baraka Baraka means blessing. This would be a place where they would be reminded of God's blessing to them. Remember that battle where we didn't even have to fight it? We just showed up on scene and everybody's lying dead. Remember how God blessed us and we had three days where we collected all the goods, the clothing, and all the precious jewels? Three days where we had collected this and it was so much we couldn't even carry it all? Isn't God great? Look at his blessing, right? This would be a place of reminder to them. When God's people seek him in faith, there is great blessing. God loves to bless his children who seek after him in faith. We must be those people who seek the Lord in faith and watch to see what he does. So in this army, where they do? They return to Jerusalem with this great blessing that they can hardly carry. There is joy. There's rejoicing. There's more praise, more worship. But notice where do they go once they get to Jerusalem? Where do they go? The house of the Lord, right? The place of worship. They go back to the temple where they had gathered at first. Seeking God starts and ends in the house of the Lord. That's why Sunday morning is so important. It's the corporate gathering together of God's people to seek the Lord. Yes, you can seek the Lord on your own individually, but we need to do that corporately every Sunday together in worship, seeking the Lord together. Your Christian life is not just a me and Jesus sort of thing. Your Christian life takes place in community with other believers. So make it a priority in your life to be here consistently on Sunday morning with God's people. And then in verse 30, God gives peace and rest to the nation of Judah. Right? Pastor Jeremy's preached on this last few weeks. Peace and rest are not found in the things of the world. They come from seeking God and from trusting in him for all things. A nation that will not seek the Lord will not have peace and rest, but chaos and turmoil. A family that will not seek the Lord will not have peace and rest in their family, but chaos and turmoil. A church that will not seek the Lord will not have peace and rest among them. They will have chaos and turmoil. Seek the Lord. And of course, our ultimate peace and rest will be in eternity with Christ. Right? That is the greatest blessing, the greatest spoil. You as a believer have any eternal inheritance awaiting you. The greatest blessing of our salvation in eternity with our Savior. Just a couple things here as we wrap up. First, what does it mean to seek the Lord? What does it mean to seek the Lord? A lot should be said here, obviously. Uh, summarizing a few observations from our passage here today. Seeking the Lord includes gathering together with God's people. Seeking the Lord includes prayer and fasting. It includes praise and worship. It includes humbly acknowledging your need and your dependence upon God. It includes living your life in faith, believing God and trusting Him. So look back once more at what you wrote down earlier. That difficulty is real. Right? It is a real life 
circumstance, a real life difficulty that you are facing. So here's the question I want you to consider with that. What does it look like for you to seek the Lord in the context of that difficulty? In the coming week, in the coming month, what does it look like for you to seek the Lord within the context of that difficulty that you're facing in your life? couple things. We heard Jehoshaphat's prayer, right? So how about for you? How do you express faithfulness in prayer regarding your circumstance? Who do you gather to pray with you and for you? All right, the elders are available. Give them a call. There's people, I believe Pastor Jeremy and Mandy are in the prayer room uh, after the service. There's prayer cards on the back you can fill out asking people to pray for you. Lots of different ways. How are you expressing faithfulness in prayer? Next thing to consider in your current difficult circumstance, where is faithful action needed on your part? Where is faithful action needed on your part? And along with that, where do you need to just simply stand firm and let the Lord fight the battle for you? Where do you take action? Where do you stand still? So in the midst of difficulty, we anticipate Life circumstances bring difficulty this next year. In the midst of difficulty, let's be people who truly seek the Lord in faith. Let's pray. Father God, we are a needy people, fully dependent upon you. We know that we have just come through a time of joy celebrating Christmas, and yet... There are real-life circumstances, real difficulties that we face and that we will face in this coming year. But we know you are a God who loves us and cares for us, a loving Father. We know that you are a God who sent your Son to die in our place and bless us with all things. And so we believe in you, we trust in you. For all these difficulties, for every difficulty that was written down or taken note of this morning, God, help us to trust you. Help us to have great faith. Help us to encourage one another. Our eyes are on you. God, encourage us to seek after you individually and corporately and to watch for your salvation on our behalf. To you be the glory. Amen. So the charge is this. Don't, I don't know if we have the PowerPoint or not. The charge is this. Consider one step you need to take to further seek the Lord in regards to your difficulty. Right? Do you need to pray differently? Do you need to ask for help from someone else? Do you need to have a difficult conversation with someone? Do you need to review God's promises, dive into his word to get wisdom? So determine what step you need to to take in order to seek the Lord and then seek, uh, and then take that step, follow through on that. And may God richly bless you as you seek after him. And may you see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.